Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. Today on the show is an incredible not-for-profit record label called This Could Go Boom. And one of the questions that we get um, so often in our Facebook community and people email me uh, quite often about this is the idea and the question of how do I make my record label an official not-for-profit organization? They actually want to go ahead and register it. In fact, there's always the jokes that that people are, their record labels are not for profit, but not by choice. Okay, so get that out of your system. That's not what we're talking about today. We're actually talking with a record label who is officially registered in the United States to become a not-for-profit organization. And that is the bulk of our, our topic today. This Could Go Boom is an incredible organization. And my chat with Aaron today, I think you're going to find extremely helpful, especially if you're thinking about yeah, doing the charitable route and and uh, and working uh, with the your your country and working with your your uh, whatever the regulations are to become an official not for profit. I think it's a really cool approach. Uh, and you know, of course, as the joke goes, we're already not making a lot of money, so it works out well. Um, you know, I, w- I will give a caveat, even though this is a very popular topic uh, that we've been discussing and people have been asking to have it covered on the show. Uh, I will admit that you know things vary across the different countries um, that are represented in our audience, and we we often think that, uh, and I, I and I, I'm guilty of this as well, is is that my audience is homogenous, and that it's in the indie rock world in in, in America. But um, the reality is is in this just in this past week, there's no word of lie. I've received emails of listeners from the show and people who watch uh, other record labels content on YouTube. Um, the, the emails that I've got have come from. South Korea, India, Zimbabwe, Nigeria, France, and Canada. And that's just in this past week. And isn't that incredible? I mean, it's so amazing that these folks are in the process of starting a record label or who have a record label, listen to the show, find it helpful. I think that's incredible. So I just want to I want to say that the label I'm talking to with today is American. And some of the uh, laws and the requirements to become a nonprofit organization are specific to whatever country you live in. So hopefully... Some things that you discover today will be helpful for you. But if you're not in America and you and this is something you want to do uh, in your own country, then you're going to need to look into whatever laws and tax requirements um, are required in your country. So I hope that you find this helpful. Uh, along with this episode, we have all of our back episodes, all of our free resources, all of our online courses, all of our blog posts and videos available in this ever-growing hub at otherrecordlabels.com. Type it in now if you're not driving. If you're driving, have the passenger type it in and uh, and scroll around at otherrecordlabels.com. I found uh, I found the podcast during the time when we were kind of like talking about starting this Kiko Boom, and it's been such a great resource. And recently, I've been really enjoying the quick tips. Oh, great. Well, that's very nice to hear. Thank you so much. I actually, I mean, this is a, a pod, this is an episode that's just in um like such a long time coming because so many people um you know this topic uh has come up so many times in our label community on Facebook and through the folks I've been speaking with the idea of an independent record label being an official nonprofit organization is just so <laughs> intriguing and incredible and uh, so this is exciting for me 
Yeah, me too. And I have to, um, I have to give a shout out to uh, Carolyn Weinroth from Cinema Hearts because I ran into her and realized that she is the person who who mentioned this could go boom in the community, and she's also a huge fan. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and and uh, you know, there's not. <clears throat> sorry, there's not a ton of labels doing this so let's dive in because i, I want to i have so many questions and and i apologize in advance for camping out on this subject of nonprofit so much but it's so important to our listeners i think can you walk me through this when did you start the label and and what made you decide to do it in this fashion as a non-profit uh, not-for-profit sure so I started in 2018 and it was one of those it was it was a collaborative sort of vision. Um, I was in a band called the O6, that's O-S-Y-X here in the Washington DC area. And everybody in the band, it was, uh, I don't want to say it was a super group, but everyone in the band was from a different, um, scene a little bit and some overlapping scenes here. And we were having such a great time playing together and there was kind of a lot of excitement around, the live shows. And so we were seeing a lot of people in the music scene, both um, on the creative side and just and on the listening side, coming together in a really positive and strong way at our shows. And as we were thinking about making our first album, um, we talked about doing some crowdfunding around it, which is something that I had never really done. Um and the more we talked about it, the more we were kind of like, well, wouldn't it be cool if instead of just saying like, hey, let's crowdfund this one project that will result in something physical that then is over <laughs> after a certain right, point. Right. Um, what if we can what if we can make that kind of roll into something very long lasting and something that'll be that can live beyond this project, beyond the band, uh, beyond even this group of people. And um, everyone in the band uh, who's been in the band identifies either as a woman or as non-binary. And um, we've been talking a lot about just different experiences we've each had um, with gender discrimination, being in, being in bands in different capacities, whether that was more in like a professional capacity or DIY touring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the more we talked about it and we're vocal about it, the more we were just hearing from other people and realizing, wow, <laughs> this is still such a huge, huge problem. Sure. And around the same time, the, um, the Annenberg report on uh, gender inequality in the music industry um, okay. came out and it was like, oh yeah, this problem is, industry-wide with something like two percent of producers and sound engineers identifying as women um and and just the the sheer numbers were actually like worse (laughs) even though we were it's easy to blow off your own story in a way and kind of be like well but maybe that you know was an isolated incident and then it was like no here is the evidence this is actually a pretty widespread problem Mm. and um you know we're all just feeling like music is so valuable to navigate and explain our culture that this seems like a place where we can invest this time and whatever money we can raise. So we did our fundraiser 
and we launched This Could Go Boom. We decided to do a nonprofit organization for a couple of reasons. Um, one was that I have a background in um, arts nonprofit work. Oh, great. I, so I worked for an organization that was at the time called Rock for Kids, which is now called Foundations of Music, um, and developed uh, music education curriculum for in-school time um, with with uh, schools who'd had their arts education cut um, mostly on the South and West side in Chicago. Um, so I had a little bit of experience doing some fundraising in that world and also a little bit of insight into how the issues extend into that world in that um, funders also need education around um, the importance of creative expression in more contemporary genres. Um, Cause at the time, even a while back here in the States funders, there was a time when it was all classical music and then it was like classical music and jazz are acceptable. Sure. It was kind of like still an argument to get people to realize that like the blues are important. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that I've, I was reading about with the, the Lincoln Center too, like that was, you know, everything was uh, so like, you know, quote unquote, like prestigious music. Right, right. Which was and subjective. It, yeah, and that's, it's subjective and it's also so seated in its own Western bias for one thing. Yeah, right. It's a very, it's a very sort of colonized hierarchy. That's of right, yeah, it's Victorian. Yeah. Yeah. And also there're just so many uh, there's so many areas in which um gender diverse people, gender expansive people have been left out of the canon. And so if you kind of go with the idea of this previous groundwork is the only avenue for measuring what is good, then you're pretty much left with a homogenous field yeah. of yeah. of art. Um so that was really important to us. And the other thing was that uh, we wanted to be mission-based. Hmm. And I know that any kind of company can have a mission to stand by, but we wanted to really take the idea of finding the best ways to support people in our community um, who come from gender identities that have been marginalized in the industry, whether that's as artists or writers or in leadership or in sound engineering, um, and to really be able to listen to them and to tailor what we were doing to those needs and that those needs could grow and change and that the people involved can grow and change as well. So we're very volunteer run and very open to having new people come in and share their talents and very open to the idea that there's not one of us who can kind of understand and encompass all of the intersectional issues that are going to affect every person in our kind of focus area and that the more input we have the better so we actually because of that our programming isn't just the record label Okay. We also, yeah, we also started out well before COVID. <laughs> and I mean, we really started getting on a roll like right before uh, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Which is, oh my god. That's <laughs> which has been really difficult. Um, 
but we started out um, offering uh, performance, paid performance opportunities, working with local venues, and helping people to find paid uh, opportunities within just the community. Um, we did a lot of outreach and speaking, uh, both with the DC Music Summit, which is a fantastic organization here in DC that is all about just supporting professional and amateur, just local musicians in any way possible, um, and, and education and workshops and outreach for those types of artists. Um, that- at the Kennedy Center, and we did a talk at the Hirshhorn, and we also started doing a lot of um, education as far as, like, we were doing a workshop on... Um, how to improv, whether or not you play an instrument or have ever touched right, an instrument, right. ever done the improv. And we were doing that in conjunction with this awesome music school here in the city, uh, Seven Drum City. Um, and most recently, the, uh, you know, COVID, of course, has impacted everyone in so many ways. And it actually took us a while to really feel like we had a good understanding of what we could do to help. Um, what was going to really help our community during this time. And we're just wrapping up one year of doing um, uh, this Could Go Boom Collective, which has been uh, a group that meets monthly to share information, share support, uh, engage in professional development around being a a DIY artist and around planning your own release and how to leverage some community support for that um, and plan out a release without any kind of label support. Well, this is so incredible because, I mean, that was something I was very curious about and I want to dive into a little bit more about the stuff that you do outside of of the music releases. Um, And it is a shame about COVID, you know, of course, but just the idea of like what you're trying to do can be so limited and handcuffed you know, when, with these restrictions. And so hopefully um, it'll be exciting to see what you guys can do when, you know, if, if ever, <laughs> whenever things are, I know, are if free. Ever, ever. <laughs> I know, with um, a really awesome, I just ran into a, a local venue owner and we were just talking about tentative plans for the coming year and it just yeah, feels yeah, so like yeah. wishful thinking <laughs> i know i know okay okay so um what challenges oh first of all one thing i wanted to comment because you it was something you said right at the beginning and i thought was so interesting is that a lot of labels think about this um not the charity aspect but the the listener supported aspect and whether it's um patreon or it's just some sort of fundraiser or kickstarter to get going um but you identified right early on that that wasn't sustainable and that that would that would be great for the first month or for the first quarter or even the first year but what then and so i i love the idea of immediately identifying that those little kickstarting springboard uh initiatives just don't last and instead to to dive into something more long-term. I think that was really wise right from the get-go. It's something that really just, it came from the enthusiasm of, of our music listening community too, because it was almost like the more we kind of threw this idea around and, and we really, I have to say, we kind of jumped in 
with just a little bit of knowledge and yeah. kind of like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I hope, you know, people contribute their their knowledge and help us out a little bit and they have and it's been fantastic. Um but it came from the fact that people were like, I have been waiting to support something like this. Like oh, I've great. seen these issues, I acknowledge these issues and I did not know what to do about it, whether it was somebody who was like, I'm affected by these issues or I'm not affected by these issues, but I see it affecting other people. And I did not know what to do and how to support. And, and that idea of like, this is something that people really care about. Um, that's, that's what was able to kind of like carry it forward into like, okay, this can be something ongoing and it, and it needs to be something that can change, um, as the specific needs change. And as the community learns more and grows, um, I was fortunate to do here in DC, there was an organization that is unfortunately no more called the sanctuaries DC that did, um, has a fantastic community around it. And, um, did some artist activist training. And one of the things that I really brought from that into this process uh, was just the idea that as a grassroots organization and um, as people who, you know, aren't necessarily in huge positions of power within the music industry, the more we can pool our power and pool our resources, the more we have. Right. Um, and that's been that's been a lot of what's fed the idea of kind of okay, we're engaging people because in in so many ways this belongs to everyone. Right, 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 right. What challenge? I, I I'm curious, um, and, and it's interesting that you have a background in this. But what challenges come with attempting to become a nonprofit? And of course, we're talking about. United States, and so you know this is you know more a little more specific to um, that process in the U.S. But what challenges I, I I've heard from a lot of people it's not it's not very easy to do. Yeah, there's a lot of paperwork. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Forget it. <laughs> oh no, oh, no, no forms. So, so one way to go about it is to um, hire an attorney. Oh, okay. To the nonprofit. Um, we, I was going to do that. And actually I, I went online and I was like, well, let me just find out exactly what I need to do. And as I was moving through figuring out what steps I needed to take, I actually completed all of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then I was great. like, okay, well, we'll just see if this worked. And, and it did. So oh, it, wow. it is actually doable, but yes, it's one of those bureaucratic, you need to, um, file with the IRS and you need to file federally and you also need to um, figure out exactly what you need to do to register within your own specific state um, oh, because okay. you okay. need to generate yeah so there are a couple different steps um, there are resources online to kind of help walk you through that and that's the main thing is you just want to make sure that you've done both the federal setup and whatever specific to your state um, and, which, and, and what is the requirements throughout the year? Is there something that you need to accomplish mm-hmm. every year? So since uh, Sarbanes-Oxley, nonprofits are public uh, companies okay. and 
there's a level of transparency um, in your business dealings that comes with that. And for small nonprofits, that is an annual um, submission of financial records that are then compiled by the IRS. It's a it's a 990. Um, it's not as complicated as like an audit, um, especially if you're pretty small. You just keep track of everything that you've spent and what you've spent it on and your income. And there's a form to fill out that you submit each year. Um, it is important to do that though. Right, <laughs> and right. that's something that you can have an accountant do for you. Um, or a really great idea. And if anyone out there is interested in joining our board as an accountant, a great thing to do is to have an accountant on your board. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> So, and an attorney. It, so um, people but are- yes, yeah. So you do have to be pretty transparent with where your where your income's coming from, and also how you're spending money. And that's it's it's pretty positive though because it's also a great way to further engage supporters because you're kind of like, look, this is how much money came in, and this is what we spent it on. We spent it on yeah the thing you care about. Yeah, that is great. So, programming around this mission. Well, and some of the challenges with record labels are there is that transparency issue and that's what's gotten record labels in trouble not only in the 80s and 90s and the 70s but even today there's labels who have been called out for um, not being transparent and so that's kind Mm -hmm. of a good thing for labels to be forced to do that. Yeah, and it's it's good because I know that like so many... I think that's so many of us, and I'm totally one of those people who has to sort of force myself to be organized. Because right. I'm, I'm also an artist uh, and musician, and I think that, you know, just because you really, really love music and you want to support it doesn't necessarily mean that you're totally geared toward <laughs> yeah. that level of sort of like account <laughs> transparency just naturally. And sure, so it's yeah. like, oh, this is almost a checklist of what we have to do. Another thing is that when people make donations, you also need to send out um, a letter acknowledging those donations All at right. the end of for their tax records. Right. And so you do need to keep track of everyone who's donated throughout the year so that you can get that information to them. So there are a couple of organizational things um, that in some ways are things that would be great for you to do even if you're not a nonprofit. Um, well, <laughs> just kind of track of who your supporters are. That's not, uh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, just the idea, it's a great marketing technique just to you know email or to mail a letter to people who have purchased from you or, or donated to you and to say thank you and to let them know what their contribution has done, that can go a long way, even even if it's not something you're legally required to do. Absolutely. And this none of this is to say that this is like a perfect system because obviously this is also a system that is totally fueled by capitalism and right, right. <laughs> um, and in so many ways it's like a lot of foundations are tax shelters for very wealthy families. Yes. And yeah. the idea of being able to, you know, have a lot of leverage with with funds about about deciding like what who has an important voice and, and what is important sure. is, is has got its own problems. Um, 
Is that what this is for you? It's like a, a money laundering thing for all the money through your band? Oh, yes. Yeah. So much. We're just rolling in. <laughs> well, no, we actually, we actually managed to put out a whole vinyl record and start the entire organization um, and do a tour and promote the record for uh, $13,000. Wow. Wow, that's great. That's great. So people online, when we talk about this t- topic of, of record labels being uh, not-for-profit, people always make the joke that their label is non-profit, just not by choice. Did you look into other ways of, of operating outside? I know you have a background in this, but outside of operating as a normal label, uh, instead of being a, a, a charitable organization, did you look at the subscription program or, or just simply a, a Patreon model? So, we have looked at a Patreon model before, and and I think that part of what's interesting about having a board and also adding new members and even kind of envisioning a day when maybe none of the original founding members are on the board, um, and it's other people, is that we're we're actually really open to changing the model if it's beneficial for our constituency and um, something that's going to like really work better for both supporters and the, and the artists. Um, and we have before gotten some advice around, Hey, maybe at some point it would be better to be a for-profit business um, and go the more traditional route of, of having investors rather than um, funders. Yeah. Um, Looking into Patreon models, again, it's something that I think that we're totally open to for the future um, and in subscription services as well. Um, we really, we kind of experimented on the founding members band <laughs> right. and we weren't really sure about how many things we were going to be able to put out. Uh, within a given period of time. And that's why we really haven't done anything that sort of requires um, specifically like having like incentives that are available at a very certain time. Yes, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, that's a good thing. For one thing, we would never, so much of our mission is around making this a sustainable future for the artists that we would never want to be in a position where artists were creating materials just to support the organization. Mm, right. Um, and in some ways there we've, we have with the, uh, with the collective we've talked about and had people come in and kind of talk about their experience uh, with, and, you know, shared articles and things about different um, ways to do that as an individual artist. Um and with subscription services, I do think that that's something that in the future will make a lot of sense for us when we have a much more regular sort of release schedule. Yeah. What What advice would you have for folks who want to do what you've done with your label? I think that the most important thing about starting any kind of nonprofit is to take a step back first uh, because it's always going to be a mission statement, a mission is always going to be something that sparks a lot of passion and excitement in the people who are 
getting ready to launch into it or care about that that issue and want to address it. And that's a real strength and it's super exciting. However, <laughs> um, it's, it's important to do a lot of research. Uh, mm. First of all, it is important to know what's already out there. You don't want to start a nonprofit when there's another nonprofit in your area that is basically either doing the same thing or has a mission that can really align with you. Right. And the reason is because that's such a great potential for collaboration and you don't want to create too much funding competition in the exact same area. Um, if you really care about the mission, you're going to want to support the other organizations in your area that are working on the same problems. Sure. That makes sense. Um. And, and also, you just want to make sure, too, a lot of times people come in to work in community with the idea of, oh, I see this problem and I'm going to come in and fix it, even though it's not a problem that necessarily affects me. Right. And it's really important to keep in mind that it's always better for a community to sort of define what is affecting them and to offer resources and be open to those resources being sort of turned down and like, Hey, that's not what we need. Um, and to find out what those things are that people do need and want. Um, because otherwise it's, it's a little on the side of swooping in to save people. <laughs> <laughs> that's without right. Any of their that's or- right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It's about your, it's about the cause and the people that your cause is, is meant to help. It's not about you. It's not about your organization. I, I hadn't thought about that. Often I had thought about a not-for-profit record label as this is about the label and about the people mm-hmm. of the label, but it's about your mission statement. I, I kind of forgotten about that. Yeah, and it's, that's, that's a really good point because that is something that can happen in um, organizations as they grow is that the people who were involved in sort of founding it can hold on really tightly for good reasons. I mean, they feel so much investment in it. They feel like they've given so much to it and they really care. Um, And sometimes that can result in sort of limited vision um, in uh, an inability to change and to grow and an inability to bring in new voices. Um, So that's, that's a really important thing to kind of know from the beginning too is Really, I know for me, and I think we've discussed this a lot um, at the outset, the ideal <laughs> the ideal situation would be that someday this organization wouldn't need to exist. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I think every charity should want that, right? Right. And yeah. It's a strange, it's a strange thing because <laughs> yes. you're trying to make yourself irrelevant. It's beautiful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't think we're, we're not close to that point at all. Unfortunately, there were a couple of really, uh, there were a couple of studies that came out just in this past year um, that I have to say it it reinvigorated me after this whole like COVID kind of slump just about unbalanced power dynamics. One was um, Be the Change, Women Making Music. Okay. And this was a cool study because it was, a compilation of views from interviewing 401 female music creators. Um, 
instead of just straight statistics. Okay. And it, it was it was really interesting. Eighty one percent of the people said it was more difficult that they felt it was more difficult for women artists to receive recognition. And one of the things that really stuck out to me because it's something that we've heard so much is that there are few role models, and because of that, there's not as much access to um, mentorship. Right, um, right, and that be- that becomes a cycle, right? If there's no role models, there becomes no future role models. Right, and that's something that we've also done a lot of work with just in our own sort of local community is that we have a lot of really awesome people in other aspects of our our music landscape who are really always down to help and to host things like a recording workshop yeah. in a recording studio or host like one of the live music, um, music production kind of workshops. Um Another thing that they cited was just unbalanced power dynamics as far as like ageism and lack of okay. resources in the industry and lower pay. And I, I'm bringing this up just because I think this really, it brings up two really good points for me. One is that both of these studies were really great, but all of the studies that have come out of the industry itself so far have really focused on um, cisgender women. I as see. As the focus and, yes. and that really great information, but it's also very revealing about the the just the gap in understanding of um, of where the world is going and how gender discrimination is actually affecting artists on the ground. And I think that that's a really important for people as they're thinking about maybe starting a nonprofit is really hone in on what it is that you deeply, deeply care about and define it as, as closely as possible with options to address it in, in expanding and changing ways, mm-hmm. the information that you gather as things grow, um, because it, it is still incredibly important for on the ground, just local communities, grassroots networks of record stores and labels and artists and venues and um, PR companies and music journalists to be working together to continue this conversation and to to sort of push the boundaries of what the conversation encompasses. because it's it's great that people with large resources are finally addressing these issues, but at the same time, we want that accountability to come from lived experience and to continue to be informed by people outside of the main industry who are being affected by it. Because you know, power systems of power don't tend to uh, dismantle themselves. Right. Right. Well, I guess. <laughs> And I guess what I'm hearing too, correct me if I'm wrong, is like it's easy to um, identify the problem and it's easy to support the cause, but it's like it it takes a whole different amount of effort to like implement some sort of change or to 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 present a solution. And it takes a lot of people. It takes right. a lot of collaboration and it takes a lot of deciding to trust other people and to work with other people and to try other people's ideas out um, and, and to be open to that 
that idea. So I think that that's, that's a key thing is like, if your goal around is I have an aesthetic vision, I love this kind of music and like, I really, it, it really binds to my identity and I want to kind of be central to this idea myself as an individual mm-hmm. person, then a nonprofit might not be the best option I see. Uh, for you. And so, you know, investigating, okay, well, how can I help support a cause that I care about maybe where somebody's already doing that work or uh, maybe a for-profit model would be, would be better for me. Um, how do, how do fans get involved with your label? I mean, obviously, you know, there's buying records, but what what role does a fan play with you guys that might be different than a traditional record label? It's pretty huge, uh, just because we consider people who are affected by these issues as music listeners is, is also right. part of our... Um, just that idea of seeing yourself reflected in in the music that I think that anyone who cares about music and loves music, like at can pinpoint some moment in your sort of formative years where you're all of a sudden, like I connected with a song or a band or an artist in a way that gives me just like more information about who I am. And that's such mm-hmm. a huge relief. And I mean, that, that kind of feeling like continues to happen to me. Uh, and I'm very much an adult. Right. <laughs> Um, and, and I think that that's so, so important and it's something that sometimes is blatantly, um, disregarded. I know that several years back there were comments in country radio programming about who listens to women's voices on country radio and, uh, and that it's not very desirable, um, And there have also been comments from huge media organizations about really focusing their music efforts on young, uh, white, cis male people, um, as well as as event promoters around, like, festivals. Mm -hmm. Even with comments, I I wish I could remember this to cite it, but I know I read something somewhere about an event promoter who was just kind of like... Well, you know, girls will just go wherever their boyfriends want to go. <laughs> right, right, sure. Like, yeah, well, no, I've heard that too. But <laughs> yeah. I have heard the country music thing for sure, yeah. Yeah, there's so many more people out there. And so our fans are part of our mission. And uh, because of that, we're constantly looking for um, ideas, feedback. We are exploring sort of ideas around uh, models, kind of like the girls' rock model, where... Uh, aspects of our programming could be picked up by a volunteer who wants to have them in their own community um, and and done in their own community. The, the collective, it, we, this was our pilot year, and that's something that we're, we're thinking about doing um, is just helping people with resources to get that started in their own community. Um we, you know, we have merch, we have records, we always direct people towards the artists themselves as well. Um, but they can also donate. You can donate mm-hmm. time as a volunteer, particularly as we're hopefully in this next year going to have more live 
uh, live performances. And you can always donate um, funds to help keep everything going, particularly <laughs> as a lot of arts funding this year is very focused on COVID relief as it should have been. Right. It's been a difficult year for fundraising. Um, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And if this is, if this is something you care about, I think that that's a really great way to be involved in that. It's like, Hey, I'm not in the, the funding community. I'm not a huge organization. I'm a young person who likes music and I really identify with this and maybe I can donate a dollar a month and maybe I can reach out and see about bringing uh, this Kiko Boom artist to my college radio station. Or maybe I have an idea for a really cool um, workshop around these issues. We're super open to collaboration, whether that be as a board member or as a volunteer. And we're very, very open to, as we kind of expand out of our area too, like what is going on in your music scene? Like what, what should we know about what issues are coming up for you and your community. Um, well, I think that, and that sounds really different from a regular record label too. I think, you know, that's uh, when it's a, a company a record label, it's, it's, it's a little bit more of a closed in system mm-hmm. than a, a charity can be. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, there's that we do have, that's that's part of our mission. That's part of a mission statement, and, and this is a, this is another um, thing to think about when you're thinking about starting a nonprofit. Is always be aware of how many what resources you have at any given moment. Mm. Um, just because an idea comes in and it's like it sounds really cool, if it doesn't really align with your mission exactly, your mission is there to guide you in what to choose and what to prioritize. And if you don't have, let's say we're all volunteer run right now, we would love to get to a point someday where uh, all volunteer hours are compensated, but we're not at that point right now. Um, but be aware of, of your resources, of your people resources, of your time resources, of your monetary resources. And maybe the best response to a potential collaborator is this is so cool We'd love to like help you promote it, um, throw it on our social media, or um, you know maybe there's some way for us to collaborate that that emphasizes our mission. Or I know this other group or organization that this is totally like what they do. Like you should contact them. Um, it just doesn't like serve anyone to really like spread yourself thin. And I think that's that's actually like one of the. I think that's one of the industry kind of myths is that if you're a creative and if you've been so fortunate to get to make music or put music out, that it's really your job to just like completely wear yourself down and uh, constantly put yourself out there. And that's one of those things that is a mindset shift because for a lot of people that that we work with and hear from, it's like that kind of lifestyle, like even just the idea of constant being required it's like that's not going to work for somebody who's parenting necessarily right it's not going to work for somebody who has a disability and it's not going to work for everyone Mm. who is cognitively diverse and it's not going to work for older people and it's not necessarily going to work for people who just don't feel safe 
their identity traveling into a lot of places. And so those things shouldn't be required barriers to being able to express yourself as a musician and reach audiences who want to hear from someone like them. I want to ask you a little bit more about this idea of the fans and their supporters. I've been realizing lately that for the most part, people only part with their money if there's something in it for them. And I was doing some research before we launched our Patreon for this podcast, and I realized that I can't just succeed with trying to convince people to support us or whatever that cause might be. There has to be something tangible that improves their lives or makes them feel something. You know, obviously there's there's exceptions to that. We have, you know, there's always supporters who just want to support, support. But I've been thinking a lot about how businesses exist to bring value to their customers' lives in, in whatever way they do that to empower them or inspire them. And I think record labels, especially small labels, need to understand that folks want the companies or organizations that they sp- support to speak to their identity or to empower them in some way. I don't know if this is making sense, but like, do you think mm-hmm. about that in any way, especially as as a charitable organization that that in order for your supporters to part with their money, that they have to kind of walk away from that exchange with something, whether whether that's uh, intangible or uh, if that's just a, a feeling of empowerment or of change. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that I think that the way that I tend to think about that is people are looking to connect and generally, I don't want to speak for every musician. A lot of musicians feel that very strongly, that part of their work is connecting on some level um, with, with people hearing their music. Um, And so I, I think that when you think about it that way, it's about, how how is what is transact what's the transaction between us how is it helping us to resonate together whether that is you have received a handmade item um we do a lot of we do pretty much all our own silk screening uh, okay. just because we're like we're so like volunteer kind of like DIY uh focused but um whether it's receiving something, receiving music, having early access to music, um, having sort of behind the scenes access to what's happening, or if it's just that being able to be secure in the feeling that you're sort of moving funds around in this world so that they're going towards something that you believe in and care about Mm. and that you're part of that change, whether you're donating a dollar or $500, that now part of who you are and what you've put out into the world, or if you're putting in your volunteer time and your volunteer hours and you're just out there saying like, I'm going to take a few, (laughs) a few minutes to go on social media and, and put this out there to my friends and connections as something that I care about and something that's important and something that they can support all of that is is connection. It's connection around what who we're saying that we are altogether, who we're saying we are individually and how we intersect and and what we care about in the world. Um, I mean, I think it's really similar to like, you know, uh, here public radio does these like long drives. yeah, they're they're, you know, they're mentioning like, hey, you want to support 
your public radio and there, I mean, I guess there are people out there who are like, man, I really want that tote bag. But I think that mostly people donate because they acknowledge not only the value in their own life of, of having access to, um, to opinions and news that are sort of outside of the uh, traditional routes and, and that that kind of speaks to who they are. And I think that's the same that's the same thing with music is that in some ways this model helps with that idea of like we've in some ways disconnected music because it's because music and art aren't such a great fit for capitalism anyway it's always been a really hard balance of like well it's clearly important yeah (laughs) there's some scientists now who think that that people were making musical vocalizations before spoken language that had words. Oh, wow. Um, And so we're talking about something that is really a deeply ingrained sort of something that belongs to our, our humanity. Um, Uh, And it's part of the price tag on that. (laughs) Right. That's right. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to ask you, sorry to interrupt you, but I, how do you prioritize music over mission or, or vice versa? Like, if I'm donating to a fair trade coffee company, I'm happy that I'm making a difference in a farmer's life, but do I also need the coffee to taste good? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I think that the way that we the way that we support the mission in our dealings with music and what music are we going to put out is that we're not really genre specific. Okay. That we're not super interested in dictating to artists like how their expression takes place and what's going to be culturally and personally relevant for them. But we also all sort of get together and listen to a lot of music, uh, make arguments for our favorite artists. <laughs> and right we want to work with i mean so far it's been it's it's all we've been working with artists mostly coming from our local scene and and it's you know people who we just adore as people and musicians and have long thought oh this is a musician that other people really really need to hear outside of that first record that we put out that's been uh Rosie Chima and What She Dreamed put out a digital record right in the thick of our pandemic year. Um, And uh, Lightmare, who just recently released beautiful maroon-colored vinyl, and we're still um, working on that campaign and trying to get both of these fantastic local artists in as many years as possible. Um, and so part of the people that you support is the artists, right? I mean, uh, giving the artists a platform and, and coming behind them and, and supporting them, that that really is the some of the, the biggest people who are benefiting from this organization. Is that true? Yes. So that's our main focus is we don't, because we're a nonprofit, we don't really need to we don't need to exactly make a profit in other than 
that the more funding that we have that comes in, the more we can pour it back into programming, sure. which means yeah. the more artists we can put out. And so far, we're, we're again, we're, we're super open to hearing what the needs of the different artists are. And so every campaign has been really different. Um, from digital to vinyl, from not being able to tour to maybe being able to tour this coming year, um, and totally different types of music, we're we're really open to like what's best going to help this artist. And something that we noticed in our local scene was that just around like releases, that support around um, releases and promotion was something that a lot of artists didn't seem to have like a ton of access to. And, and that's been one of the main focuses so far, but yeah, our support kind of, it's like, Hey, we have this much funding and we really are excited about the fantastic music of this one artist. Cause like, like I said, we all get together and we are definitely always putting out music that we love right? And, yeah. and stand by, but it's always going to be, something that maybe you haven't heard before and it's definitely not going to be all all like one one genre or uh one type of life experience um but then whatever we can bring back into the organization um just goes right back into programming whether that be supporting artists through like the collective or uh hopefully putting on some live performances where artists get paid um or helping more people put out records so let me ask you moving forward um your vision for this organization not just the record label but the organization um we talked a little bit about the idea of it not needing to exist would be the ultimate goal. But uh, what 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 is the some of the goal? You know, assuming the the pandemic um, has an end date and and or or just even imagining it doesn't exist, what would be your your long term goal for this label? Is it moving outside of the the local area and becoming more national? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that that's that's a big thing for us. I think that. Um, Coming out of, of this year and maybe even the next year, we're really going to have to do a lot of assessment around what's needed just because we already know that in the general world that the just the existence of the pandemic has affected women um, in, in different ways uh, than it's affected some of the other parts of the population Um, and and don't even have any kind of understanding of beyond that sort of statistic of, well, what does that mean for gender expansive identities? Like what does that mean for different intersecting identities of those populations? And so that's going to definitely, our goal is to start just making connections, uh, further and further out of our, within our local community, within our regional community, um, sort of acting as a hub for networking around other people who care about this, whether they be uh, in the U.S. or international. Um, We're super open to other people's ideas and hearing what they're doing, um, how we can collaborate, how we can support other people who are involved in this mission, because they're there are, I know there are people, <laughs> there are people all over the place who are like that voice in their grassroots community. And that's, that's a major goal is to start to connect those networks to really share 
what we've learned and what we've been able to accomplish and to encourage other people to, to share that, uh, those resources and that kind of power with, with the other artists that are like them, who they care about, who are making music in all kinds of genres and all kinds of different situations, um, and may not have the exact same resources or the exact same knowledge or the exact same skills that another group might have that they can share. Um, so yeah, we're super looking forward to hearing back from people, hearing back what's going on in your local community. What, what are the needs that you see there? What would be cool programming? Um, and of course all of this takes funding. I, you have to mention that anyone who's super interested in this mission can donate through our website, www.thiscouldgoboom.com. Um, we're on all the social media. Are there, are there ways for other, for re- for record labels to, to uh, work with you? I mean, obviously I, I can't imagine, you know, if, if a label has the same ethos as you, there isn't any sort of competition at all. Like, have you have you thought about that process at all? So, absolutely. Um, first of all, one thing I have to say is I don't even think that we would have even been able to get around, like, get our heads around the idea of launching without some of the just input and support that we got from uh, local labels here. Oh, that's um, great verses and discord just just taking the time just sharing information just giving some advice uh which was super important and that is another thing that um we're definitely definitely very open to is that because i think that there is so much sort of crossover between people who maybe are in other places in the industry or um, have their own record labels who also care about this mission. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's for sure. Yeah. We're always looking for collaborators and we're always looking for board members too, um, or people who want to volunteer on some level and to be perfectly transparent, as we were talking about earlier, we're all like new at this. None of us from a record label background, um, Right now, I don't even think anyone right now comes from a music business background other than just our personal experiences as artists. And we're always looking for that opportunity for for mentorship and for ideas and for input and for um, any kind of collaboration and uh, and help that anyone wants to contribute because because again like this is for a community of people who care about this mission Mm. and you can be anywhere and be that person yeah that's right by the way (laughs) by the way it's a great name for a label and a great logo what's the meaning behind it and does it create a problem at the post office by putting this could go boom sticker on a box so (laughs) so it is we do have some logos that have a a little round cartoonish bomb on them, but we haven't had any, we haven't had any problems. <laughs> no suspicious so far. packages. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, maybe the post office doesn't, you know, think that anyone would be that, <laughs> yeah. that spy versus <laughs> spy right. about it. That's right. Um, they have sti- stickers printed, like, 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 uni- like the, the terrorists don't have stickers printed, they don't have a logo. Right, right. <laughs> with a, with Handle a with care. Bomb. This is a bomb. 
Um, the name came from an episode of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, that involved uh, letters that had um, had personal stories. And, and the reason that those words kind of stuck out was just the idea of, of the importance of personal story and how how unheard sort of unexplored mm. unsupported narratives are really the focus of that's incredible i love that yeah i love that uh, i want to tell you a handmade story after we stop recording but um I th <laughs> thank you so much for um for doing this it's been so great to talk to you if you have a couple more minutes i want to uh, ask you a, a few more things for our patrons, yeah. but thank you for doing yeah. this. And I'll include all of the links to your uh, incredible organization and, and give a shout out and everything, but thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, uh, like I said, um, I felt a little starstruck and uh, <laughs> a little nervous. Cause I was like, we're so new and there. <laughs> oh, it's like, so exciting what you're doing. Podcast for so much information. And there've been so many amazing people with just like loads of experience. Uh, to learn from so well I, I love I love the charity idea and I think that more people should really consider it you know like you said after they do some research and identify what their mission statement is but it's something that could be a route that people go especially if they're not they're if they're getting in this to make a difference and not to make uh, a million dollars so I, I think that's um, I love that angle awesome thank you so much to find out more about this incredible record label, This Could Go Boom, just go to thiscouldgoboom.com. And on Instagram, it's thiscouldgoboom. And on Twitter, it's at thiscouldgoboom. You know, I've talked about this in our courses and in other material that we've done about starting a record label, about how important it is to pick a record label name that's available as a .com and, it, and that can re re remain the same length and the same words. Uh, on on your Twitter handle and, and on your Instagram username and across all these platforms. I talk about this so much because I think it's so valuable when people are trying to find out more. It, it's a rule that I've broken. I didn't think about it when I started my label. And so um, I had to have like all these suffixes and prefixes and underscores on across all these platforms. So this is what is another amazing thing about this label is that it's easy to find them. This could go boom.com. Uh, at This Could Go Boom on Twitter and on Instagram. And I hope that you have found this interview helpful. And if you are thinking about um, becoming a nonprofit or starting your record label as a nonprofit, I think it's really cool. And I think it, if it is something where you have this common uh, goal in mind that you share with not only your artists, but the people who follow along with your label, then that's maybe something that you could, uh, that would drive you to become a nonprofit organization. I hope that you found this helpful. Like I said at the beginning, go to otherrecordlabels.com. I am continuing to eject that site with helpful resources for you and for our audience. Thank you so much for being a listener.